we're going to be doing a, a communion service, and we'd love for you to come and join us. Um, actually, Dr. Jim Cole, this, he was kind of the one who planted this seed in my heart to do this. Uh, anytime you need a good idea, ask Gene. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jim, Jim and Gene Cole, great. They've been in our church since we began, and they're just amazing people. And had lunch with, with Jim a couple of weeks ago, and I just said, what, what's something we could do? And he said, have you thought about doing a communion service? And so we've planned this service for Wednesday. It'll be a short service, maybe a half an hour, 30, 40 minutes. And it's going to be, we're going to be very intentional uh, about making people feel safe. And so if you know someone uh, or have a family member or friend who hasn't felt comfortable enough to come yet, uh, our goal for that service is that uh, it would be very safe. There'll be no singing. Uh, it'll be scripture reading, prayer, and then communion. And uh, so it'll be fairly short, uh, but very intentional. And we will uh, require masks uh, coming in again and going out as we always do. And... Uh, our goal really is just to create something that, that people um, feel safe coming to if they haven't. It kind of, kind of to create a re-entry point for people who are, are still a little anxious about things. So, uh, and, and then, of course, you know, just the body of Christ uh, participating in the Lord's Supper together uh, is always an amazing thing. The grace of God is, is so present in that. So uh, I encourage you to come. It's Wednesday night at 6.30. Uh, and then we've got also an outdoor service scheduled um, for the 20th, which will be the uh, evening service. We always do an evening service, so we do Sundays at 10 and, and at 6. Uh, the 6 p.m. service on the 20th will be outside, and uh, so that should be fun. And uh, I think the youth will be joining us, and some of the children, the fourth and fifth graders that do advance on Sunday nights will be joining us, so it'll, it'll be a fun time. So we we'll look forward to that. So you, you could actually double dip that day if you wanted to come that morning and that night. We might let you do that. So, awesome. Uh, one other thing I want to mention before I get into the message for today. Uh, I think this is important. Uh, I've had actually a couple of different people who have had dreams that had to do with cleaning. Uh, imagine that. Um, so during this season of time, you know, we've kind of had a, a new emphasis on cleaning and, and you know, being sanitized, but, but I really felt like, uh, especially the dream that was shared with me this morning was about the cleaning of Riverstone, and uh, this lady was sharing that uh, we had vacuum cleaners who were vacuuming and, and just cleaning uh, Riverstone, and, and I really felt like that was a word for us, that God is preparing us for something, and so, the, you know, the way that you prepare for things is first you look in your own heart, and so as a body, we want to look at ourselves first. We, we know that there are things out there that need God's attention, right? And if we want to participate in what God wants to do out there, we have to first look here. And so I just want to encourage you individually, as families, and for all of us as a church body to, to allow God to do in us uh, whatever it is he's trying to do in us now uh, to get us ready uh, for what's next. And so just encourage you in that. Pray into that and see if the Lord tells you anything specific about that. Uh, we've been talking about ways that Jesus took the disciples deeper. And so today we're going to continue in Mark chapter 4, uh, picking up at verse 35. 
and it reads like this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Amen. Lord, we thank you uh, that you have a word for us today, and, and we want to hear from you. Uh, we, we believe that every person here today uh, needs to hear from you. Uh, there's, there's probably no one here today who really uh, needs to hear from me uh, or from any other person for that matter. But we all need to hear from you. And so my prayer today is that you would speak, uh, that your voice would be heard. I pray that you would speak through me or that you would speak in spite of me, but that you would speak and that we would hear that we would hear both with our ears and with our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've talked for a couple of weeks about how Jesus taught the disciples. That was one of the methods that he used to take them deeper and to move, move them forward and, and to prepare them actually for what, what they were about to do and, and to be about. And today we want to talk about another thing that Jesus did to take his disciples deeper. And, and what he did was he, he took them places. Uh, Jesus took them places intentionally that would deepen their faith. He took them into places that required faith in order to deepen their faith and, and actually also to expose uh, their lack of faith. Uh, because sometimes it takes an exposure of our lack of faith for us to realize how much we need faith, and how much we need faith to be increased in us. So uh, just a couple of points of interest about this particular story before we get into the, the meat of it. Uh, number one is that Jesus doesn't in this story stop just an average storm. This is not just an average storm, and this is an area that is prone to storms, uh, but it, this particular storm is described as a furious storm. It's a furious squall. Now, a squall, according to the dictionary, is a sudden, violent gust of wind or localized storm. Now, the disciples are accustomed to this. They live in this area. They know this area, and they're fishermen, most of them. They're fishermen, and they're, they're accustomed to being on the water. They know what it's like. They have obviously been in, if they've fished these waters at all, they've been in one of these storms before. But this one makes them particularly afraid. And so that tells us this, this is a serious storm. This is not a minor storm. 
This is not a mid-level storm. This is a major storm. Uh, the Bible says it was furious. So any, I, I would say if you describe a storm as furious, it's pretty serious. Second thing we notice is that Jesus delivers the disciples at sea, which is particularly important in Jewish culture because in Jewish culture they believed that the sea was the place where God and the enemy waged war. And so Jesus takes them intentionally out into the place that they would identify as the place of warfare. Uh, and then the third thing uh, that we want to notice about this is that Jesus was tired. Jesus was tired. He had been involved in a long day of ministry, and he wanted to escape for a, for a minute. He, he wants to go to the other side. Uh, he, he wants to rest. And I say that only to say this, that uh, if ministry makes you tired, it's okay. It made him tired. If ministry makes you tired, that's a sign that you should rest. It's not a sign always that you should just keep pushing and keep pushing. There's a reason why the Bible teaches us that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and then rested. Uh, he's setting for us a model for life, a rhythm for life. And so rest is a very important part of growing in faith. Okay, so those are just three things that we want to notice uh, preliminary. So now, what, what exactly happens in this story and how, uh, how does it apply to us and how can it apply to us? And the first thing I would mention is that Jesus initiated the boat ride. Jesus initiated the boat ride. It's a long day of teaching. Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. Why is that important? I think it's important because we tend to assume or believe uh, that if we do what Jesus says, that everything will go really well. That's what we think, right? We believe that if we do what Jesus says, that everything will go really well. And we also believe that if things go badly, we must have done something wrong. And so our, ten, our, our tendency is that if we enter into something and it goes really badly, our immediate reaction is, wow, I must have missed God. But I want you to understand that Jesus initiated this boat ride. They went where Jesus said to go, and a furious storm happened. They did what Jesus told them to do, and they went where Jesus said to go, and a furious storm happened. Waves over the boat, crazy wind, boat about to sink. Just let that sink in. They followed Jesus, and guess where he took them? Into trouble. He took them into a storm on purpose. On purpose. And guess what he did? He slept. He slept. He was quiet and he was still, but he was still there. 
He was still there. Second thing, Jesus took them into a risky place. Jesus initiated the boat ride. Jesus took them into a risky place. For the disciples, obedience required that they leave the safety of the shore and go out into a place that was potentially dangerous. And they knew it. They knew that the sea was potentially dangerous. Now, I love peace. I do. (laughs) I love peace. I pray for peace. Lord, I just, you know, I I love peace. Let's just have a nice, easy day today. Let's, Let's just let everything go well today. But sometimes Jesus takes us into a storm. Sometimes Jesus says, Let's, let's go into a storm today. Let's go into a difficult place today. Think, think about this. I don't think there's anybody in this room who doubts that Jesus has the ability to stop a storm. We just read it, right? So obviously, Jesus has the ability and the authority to stop a storm. Well, then, don't you believe that he has the ability to start one? It's just something to think about. I can't prove it, but I think he started this one. I think he started it and stopped it. Why would Jesus start a storm? Why would he take you or me or the disciples intentionally into a storm? To expose our lack of faith and to grow our faith. Now, faith does come by hearing. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and that is true. But faith grows through obedience. I remember uh, Mason when he was about four. My son, uh, he's in his 30s now. He, He told us the other night at dinner that he is in the Jesus He's come to the end of the Jesus period of his life. He's, he's 33. So I, I don't know what happens after this. Uh, he can't come back to the Father. He's, <laughs> he's got he to stay in Nashville. But Jesus says, uh, Mason said to me when he was about four, he'd gotten in trouble for something, and he, was, he knew he was about to be disciplined. And he put his hands on my face like this. And he says, Daddy, I have a better idea. You just tell me not to do it again, and I won't. And that's kind of the way we are, right? We don't really want to be corrected. We don't necessarily want to be disciplined. But, but listen to what James says in chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We often want to take the easy path. And the easy path, much of the time, will result in mediocrity. And if you want the completeness that Jesus is talking about, And the completeness that James is referring to here, oftentimes it means going through the difficult way 
going through hardship and allowing the difficulties of life to shape you and to mold you, to smooth out the rough edges. I do love peace. I, I promise you, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not choosing trouble when I have a choice, but I recognize, I recognize that God doesn't always take me the easy way. Sometimes, sometimes he takes the long road. Sometimes he takes the difficult road because his goal is to shape me and to shape you, to make us more like Jesus, to take us into and out of and through whatever he needs to take us into and out of and through to make us more like him so that in this life we will reflect the image of Jesus to all of those around us. And so you and I, as we continue to pursue him and seek to be faithful to him, we will have to make difficult decisions. Sometimes we will have to do hard things. But in it all, God will shape us. The disciples' response to the storm was not perfect. They were afraid. They accused Jesus of not caring, and they panicked. You know, it's not really the recipe of, you know, if you want to show Jesus the depth of your faith, don't follow those three steps. But that's what they did. They were afraid. They accused Jesus of not caring about them, and they panicked. And guess what? He still acted on their behalf. He still acted on their behalf. He got up, which is what they wanted him to do. He stopped the storm, which is probably more than they expected him to do. And then he asked them, a probing question that they needed to hear. And it's a question that we need to hear. He asked them, where's your faith? Every one of us in this room has storms. Whether you're in a storm right now, there, there is either one right behind you or one <laughs> right in front of you. Because that's just kind of the way life is. We go in and out of storms. We all have storms. And some of the storms in your life were made by others. Honestly, I mean, every person in this room can, can point to a storm in your life that somebody else created. And some of the storms that we have to go through, we made. And if we're honest with ourselves and, and honest with each other, we have to say, you know, that storm right there, I did that. That didn't have to happen. I'm, I made it happen. So some of the storms in our lives were made by others. Some of the storms in our lives, we made ourselves. But believe it or not, some of the storms in your life were created by Jesus. Some of the storms in your life, some of the difficult seasons of your life, some of the things that you have to go through, Jesus made those things. And he did it on purpose because he wants to shape you and he wants to mold you. Storms call for deeper faith. Trusting Jesus in the midst of circumstances that we don't understand and that we cannot control, that can be difficult but it is also very deepening. When we learn to trust him, 
in the difficult places, when we learn to trust him in the hard times, it will deepen our faith. The key to it all really is found in verse 41. Uh, When the disciples, when all of this happens and Jesus calms the storm and in verse 41, the disciples look at each other and they ask, who is this? Who is this? And that's the question really that we have to answer. If you want to be able to move through the difficult things, if you want to be able to continue to hold fast in the trying times, whether it's a difficulty that you created, someone else created, or that Jesus created, if you want to be able to remain faithful in the hard times, you have to answer that question, who is this? Who is this man? Who is he? They looked at each other and they said, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey? He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the lover of your soul. He is the lover of your soul. Every one of us have, if you really look back at your life and you look at the decisions that you've made, the good decisions that you've made and the bad decisions you've made have typically had the same motivation. We were created in our heart. We have a desperate desire to be loved. And sometimes we go to the right place for it and sometimes we go to the wrong place for it, but we all want to be loved, we want to be cared about. And the lover of your soul, the one who created you, the one who put that desire in you is the one who can meet it best. Jesus is the lover of your soul. And the scripture says that the greatest command is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it also says that the only reason we're able to do that is because he loved us first. He loved us first. I have a friend. I say he's a friend. We we were friends. It's not that we're not friends anymore. It's just that he lives in Chicago and I don't, and we we don't see each other. Uh, But years ago, we were friends, and, and I had him do a couple of retreats, for me and speak at some things. His name is Bob Laurent. You may have heard of him. He's written several books. Bob used to tell this story. He said that he, he went to the pool with his daughter and his niece. His daughter was four. His niece was, I think, 10. And at this particular pool, they had a high dive. And it was, it was high. And it wasn't like, you know, just a little bit high. It was high. And she wanted to jump, the niece wanted to jump off of the high dive. And Bob said, "Eh, it's pretty high. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. And so he said, okay. And she climbed up the ladder and she got to the very top, this high platform to dive from. And she walked out to the edge and she panicked. Standing on the edge and looking down, it looked so far to the water. And she couldn't, she couldn't pull the trigger. She couldn't make herself jump. And she just, in a panic, she just stood on the edge of this platform and just trembled. 
And Bob said, you know, I realized right away she's in trouble. And I, you know, I didn't want to go up the ladder after her. So I just jumped out into the pool and I tread, I was treading water out in the deep end of the pool. And I was yelling to my niece, just jump. I'll catch you. Just jump. You can do it. And she couldn't do it. And finally she turned and she went back to the ladder and she went all the way down the ladder, all the way down to the, to the ground. And he was thinking she must be so embarrassed. Every kid at the pool saw her fail. And so he climbs out of the pool and he runs over to meet her and she falls into her towel just in a puddle of tears. And as he's trying to console her, he hears a familiar voice. It's his four-year-old. And she says, Daddy, I'm going to jump. And he turns, and at the top of the high dive is his four-year-old daughter. And in a panic, he runs back out, dives back out into the pool, swims to the middle, and looks up just in time to see his four-year-old jump. Without hesitating, she splashes into the water. He pulls her up out of the water. She gets the water off of her face and out of her eyes, and she looks at her daddy, and she says, let's do it again. And the point of the story is this. God is not your uncle. He's your father. He's not your uncle. He is your father. It's safe to jump. Now let's pray. Lord, we know that um, for a lot of people, and, and even people in this room, this particular season that we're in has been difficult. And uh, we're not saying today that that you caused COVID or that you caused any of the uh, tragic stuff that's going on. What we're saying is that regardless of who started the trouble, you are the answer. You're the answer for every situation and that you have a purpose in every season of difficulty, the seasons that are caused by others, the seasons that we cause ourselves, and the seasons that you lead us into, you have a purpose for every season. And so we pray, open our eyes and open our hearts to your purposes so that we can be shaped and molded by you. In Jesus' name, amen.